Welcome everyone. This is episode two of Sports Medicine Resident Review. Um, just a fun, quick, uh, concise test review. I'm Glenn Sapp, and today we have again Michael Bova, PGY1, University of Virginia. Yes. Still. <laughs> and uh, just a quick reiteration, a recap. Um, so this podcast, we're doing it. Uh, we wanted it to be a quick review. You can pop it in as you're driving on your way to work. You can listen to it in the morning really quickly. But, you know, five questions that are pretty concise um, and we'll answer them. And so feel free to answer along with us as we, you know, give a short pause after every question. And this week's topic is going to be the hip. So we'll jump right in. So, Michael, let's see. Yes. I'll ask you the first question. We have a 19-year-old female track hurdler injured during a state meet. She presented with acute posterior thigh pain. She notes that she has not trained her training regimen and notes sharp pain near the distal thigh that started when she was going over a hurdle. On examination, you noticed ecchymosis over the right mid-thigh and posterior knee with tenderness on the lateral posterior thigh. What is the diagnosis? So the three uh, answers we have here are A, stress fracture, B, hamstring strain, or C, piriformis syndrome. All right, so I think this is a hamstring strain. Um, the reason I think that, um, she said she first noticed it when she was actively doing something. Um, she wasn't, she didn't have any like noticeable changes to her training regimen. Um, it doesn't seem like this is something that's been building up over a long period of time that would suggest a stress fracture and the distribution of the pain doesn't classically fit a piriformis syndrome. So let's go with B, hamstring strain. Yes, exactly. So hamstring strain, um, just a little bit more information. Like you already noticed uh, that she had her injury during activity. Strains can typically present during the eccentric phase of muscle contraction, um, and it's typically at the myotendinous junction. So it makes sense that while she was lengthening um, her muscles, her hamstrings, while going over a hurdle, that could have been that could have been where she had her injury at. Um, most commonly, for people who have the hamstring strains, they're going to be on the lateral hamstrings. And during the exam, the examiner should attempt to stretch the injured muscle while palpating. And for a provocative test, pain can be elicited over the ischial region uh, with the knee flexed um, for these patients. Next is going to be stress fracture. So typically that's going to be more chronic pain for these patients. Um, it's most notable, so most noticeable in athletes who, who have been changing their regimen. Maybe they increased mileage in their training. Maybe they you know, switched the intensity level of their training with the state meet coming up. But it's notable in this question sim that they did not change anything in that regimen. So that makes stress fracture uh, less likely. And then piriformis syndrome. Uh, this is typically going to be in the gluteal region of pain. And so most people are going to probably have pain higher up around, you know, the um, either the lateral buttocks area or somewhere around there. And so this can also be due to chronic issues. This can be due to poor body mechanics or it can be acute injury such as like a forceful hip internal rotation movement. Um, so yeah, exactly. Right one. All right, Glenn, I'm going to put you on the hotspot this time. So question two. You got a 15-year-old male punter with acute right hip pain during a football game. He endorsed feeling of a pop over the anterior hip with progressive numbness and tingling over the anterior lateral right thigh. Imaging would most likely show an avulsion fracture at which muscle's insertion. Is it sartorius muscle, 
rectus femoris muscle, adductor magnus, or abdominal muscles. All right, so let's see. In terms of this question, for me, things that pop out or, you know, I guess for lack of better terms. Yeah, no pun intended, huh? Exactly. Um, so the avulsion fracture, you know, I'm thinking about where the muscles insert. And so which muscle is going to be high up on the anterior hip and then noticeable in the question as well as this numbness and tingling over the anterior lateral thigh that makes um, myalgia parasthetica come to mind. And so for that, uh, that's simply going to be the sartorius muscle because I know the sartorius muscle inserts at the anterior superior iliac spine. You are correct. Yeah. Mm. So the sartorius muscle, like you said, attaches the ASIS and then inserts at the pes anserin on the medial aspect of the, of the knee. Um, avulsion usually happens with forced contraction, as you can imagine with a punter um, that biomechanically fits with um, the question stem. Um, these injuries include the lateral femoral cutaneous nerve, which, as you said, leads to myalgia parasthetica as the nerve runs from the ASIS um, past the inguinal ligament and down to the anterior lateral aspect of the thigh. Um, the other question, or the other answers, so the rectus femoris, that attaches at the um, anterior inferior iliac spine as opposed to the superior and obviously inserts onto the patella. Injury is usually caused by forceful kicking or contraction of the quadriceps muscle, which I guess if you didn't have the information from the myalgia parasthetica helping you out with this, you might be yeah. tending to favor that rectus femoris answer. Right. Um, get the adductor magnus. It, it originates at the inferior pubic ramus. Um, that can produce groin pain, but usually you're going to have medial thigh pain as opposed to lateral thigh pain. And then, of course, abdominal muscles, those attached to the iliac crest and mostly associated with a forceful turning, getting some shear stresses with a lateral flexion. Um, yeah, now that I'm thinking about it, uh, lateral femoral cutaneous nerve, that's a, that's a pretty good one. Correct. Yep, absolutely. All right. PGY1 coming in for the win. <laughs> there we go. All right, question number three. So we have a 26-year-old male soccer player who presents with three months of groin pain. The pain is alleviated with rest, that he notes, and he's attempted to continue practicing, but the pain recurs with activity and has recently began to bother him even during ADLs as a dull, diffuse groin pain. On exam, there's no erythema or warmth, yet positive tenderness on palpation of the lateral aspect of the pubic tubercle. What's the diagnosis? And so for, question, for the answers, we have A is going to be osteomyelitis pubis, B is going to be sports hernia, three, or C is going to be pubic rami fracture. So I think it's a sports hernia. Um, the reason why I think that is it's been going on for three months, no mention of anything acute, no fevers, chills, um, anything that would suggest an infection. Um, and it's causing him pain with like ADLs, it's diffuse, um, and you're also getting a localization of tenderness to palpation on that lateral aspect of the pubic tubercle. So that's why I think it's a sports hernia. Yeah, exactly. So yep, sports hernias are typically thought to be related to overuse and muscle imbalance uh, in between the hip abductor muscles and the weak abdominal muscles. 
Um, and so it's, you know, it's noteworthy to mention that the patient likely, you know, maybe they had a one event that really stressed the muscles out and that caused a strain. But the fact that it's continued to progress into now it's encroaching upon his ADLs, ADLs um, that's noteworthy. Um, so one pearl would be, so for the diagnosis of sports hernia, uh, literature actually refers to having at least three of the following five signs exist on physical exam if you're going to diagnose this. So one, pinpoint tenderness to the pubic tubercle at the conjoint tendon insertion. Two, tenderness over the deep inguinal ring. Three, pain and or dilation of the external ring with no palpable mass. Four, pain at origin of abductor longus tendon. And then five, dull diffuse groin pain often radiating to the perineum and inner thigh or across the midline. So yep, that's just uh, some clinical uh, tidbits right there. The other answers, uh, A, osteomyelitis pubis was incorrect. Uh, just like you said, while osteomyelitis pubis can be seen with osteitis pubis, which is going to be inflammation of the pubic symphysis and surrounding tissue, osteomyelitis is a bacterial infection of the pubic symphysis. And just like you said, there were um, no signs of active infection going on in this case. And then pubic rami fracture, this is typically going to be caused by an injury that's a traumatic high injury event, like a car accident. Um, however, this can be seen in patients with osteoporosis, but given the young age of this patient, uh, that would make it unlikely. And also given his uh, continued weight-bearing status, that would also make it unlikely as well. Nice. So, yeah, that, was great. Good job. that was a good question. Cool. All right. Question four. So we got a 52-year-old female runner who's recently started training for a marathon, presents with history of three-week lateral hip pain to the clinic. No recent history of injury. Physical exam demonstrates focal tenderness over the lateral hip without loss of internal external rotation or pain on spinal flexion or extension. What is the diagnosis? Choice A is osteoarthritis. B is spinal stenosis. C, greater trochanteric pain syndrome. So looking at this question, I'm going to have to go with C, greater trochanteric pain syndrome. Um, the biggest uh, point in this question is that she has focal point tenderness on the lateral hip. And while you can have referred pain from a lot of these other conditions, uh, it's very rare that any of the other conditions will give you point tenderness over that spot. So yeah, I'm going to have to go with C. That's correct. Greater trochanteric pain syndrome. So historically, it's referred to as trochanteric bursitis, but recent literature has referred to this condition as greater trochanteric pain syndrome. This change came about owing to the recognition that the etiology of the pain can be from multiple sources, including the bursa, gluteal tendons, or the IT band. Um, so compare this against uh, spinal stenosis, where you're going to get radicular pain that's produced in the lateral hip, um, and also if you get compression of the spinal cord. Um, however, this usually would not present with focal tenderness. And then osteoarthritis, that would be a more degenerative, non-inflammatory condition of the articular cartilage. Um, this can produce hip pain that radiates commonly to the anterior hip, but it wouldn't produce focal tenderness over the lateral hip. Um, also, you would classically see a sign of a loss of internal rotation in that leg. Um, yeah, I remember going to uh, AAP and Menard and walking in thinking, oh yeah, 
drunk enteric bursitis, know about that. And then they threw this uh, GTPS at me. And I was just like, <laughs> I'm going to start using that. I started using that all in my rotations and all of my attendings who weren't PM&R docs were just like, what is that? And I just felt terrible trying to explain it. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. I mean, yeah, I feel like every field has their own language and some fields are more up to date with nomenclature um, and like to be more specific to each one. So, yeah, I could see that happening. All right. So it looks like we have the last question. So for this question, we have a 20-year-old female tennis player who falls forward on her flexed knee and develops hip pain with the inability to bear weight. She presents to the ED with hip flexed internal rotation and the leg is abducted uh, when you go to examine the patient. Which of the following is not a complication usually associated with this condition? So for the answer choices, we have sciatic nerve injury, avascular necrosis, post-traumatic osteoarthritis, or D, sacral fracture. All right, I'm gonna say sacral fracture. Um, I'm kind of working through this from like anatomic perspective. I think that with the, like where the femoral head is in relation to the sciatic nerve, also to the arteries surrounding the trochanteric, or the femoral head and neck, um, as well as the effect of having that femoral head abutting next to um, the socket. Um, I think all of those are reasonable um, sources of having sciatic nerve injury, avascular necrosis, and post-traumatic osteoarthritis. I can't see this causing a sacral fracture, so I'm going to say sacral fracture. Correct. Yep, absolutely. And all your reasoning is spot on there. So for the sciatic nerve injury, like you mentioned, um, here's a few facts about it. Um, given that 90% of hip dislocations are posterior, this is a concern, just like you said, for the anatomical position of the nerve. And this sciatic nerve injury has uh, been shown to occur up to 10% um, in adult dislocations. And so it's also noteworthy that even if neurologic deficits occur post-reduction, this could warrant surgical intervention. So definitely a big thing to think about and have on your radar. Next was the AVN. And so prevalence of AVN increases with the time to reduction. It can also increase with multiple attempts at reduction and with the need for open reduction. So absolutely, I think, you know, I saw a source that quoted six hours uh, being that cutoff to reduction um, that significantly increases the likelihood of AVN occurring. And some literature will actually say, you know, if the patient's out on the field, you know, having brain mode to the sideline, trying to reduce it once, and if it doesn't reduce the first time, you know, sending them to the appropriate hospital or clinic location would be the next best step. And then you also mentioned uh, reasonings for post-traumatic osteoarthritis. And yep, you're correct. That's been reported to affect 16 to 24% of uh, the patients with this. And so, yep, sacral fracture was uh, the one that was incorrect, like you mentioned. So there's been no reports of significant correlation. And, you know, like you already said, thinking about the anatomy of it, um, there would be low likelihood that that would be implicated in this injury. So yeah, great job. I, I think we got five out of five. I think we did. Yeah, that was even no no. We did five out of five last week too. <laughs> and we're just too good for we're just too good at this, Glenn. Right. I'm sure our audience as well got five out of five as well. They're so. probably wondering when we're gonna stop talking. Maybe yeah. No no, they love us. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So thanks everyone again for listening. Uh, this is Glenn. And this is Michael. 
And uh, just for any uh, references, for any of the information, I'll post them in the notes below that you can see. And we'll go from there. Everyone have a good week and stay safe. See you guys.